Well, good morning. Can we, can we thank this worship team today? What a, what a wonderful job. In fact, these guys have been serving with us and blessing us all week long. Uh, not only do they serve over at Liberty University, but uh, throughout the week they've been helping us with various ministries. Last Sunday night, our young adult ministry, uh, about 750 to 800 were gathered in this room while you were at home. Uh, 800 college students gathered in this room on their face before the Lord, worshiping together. And many of these uh, students behind me today were a part of that ministry. So guys, thank you so much. It's mid-September. Can you believe that? I mean, a little bit of cool in the air every once in a while. Everybody is back back in school. Pastor Matt just told us all about the ministries that are starting back up and how you can help us. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Uh, football has started. I mean, I'm, I'm one of these that thinks college football is like, uh, should be a national holiday, right? Next Saturday, our, our Flames will start their season. Uh, Coach Freeze, I don't know if you're in the room here today, but man, we're cheering you and the Flames on. And last night, I got to see my Clemson Tigers take down Wake Forest. I grew up in upstate South Carolina, so I've been a Tiger for a little while now. And uh, the, last, the last little while, it's been uh, good to be a Tiger, right? A uh, couple of national championships, a lot of of appearances in the national championship, and it's been a great, great season for those of us who are Tiger fans. But it hasn't always been that way. In fact, I remember very well in the, in the mid-2000s, 2005, 6, 7, 8, uh, we were having a pretty tough time, uh, sometimes more losses than wins, and it was in the, uh, the 2008 season. We had opened up with a miserable loss against Alabama. We won a couple of David and Goliath matches, and then we lost three straight uh, ACC games, including Wake Forest, who that was the last time they, they, they beat the Tigers. And so uh, the, the AD decided midway it was time for a change, and so they fired the coach, and they hired this wide receivers coach, kind of a, kind of a no-name wide receivers coach. And why they chose Dabo Sweeney to, to, to step in as interim coach, no one knows, but he did. And so he walks into the locker room that first day, and he looks at the, at the guys and looks at the coaches, and he says, boys, the next six weeks is going to be pretty tough. They were midway through the season. He said, the next six weeks is going to be pretty tough, but I'm all in. And tomorrow when we have practice, I only want those who are all in, this goes for coaches and players, only those who are all in need to show up for practice. And the next day, everybody came with a new determination and the rest is history. And Dabo Sweeney has uh, coached Clemson Tigers to a couple of national championships and they're just a a dominant force in college football. Well, I'm not going to preach today on college football. I could probably talk for, for an hour about it. But uh, anyway, instead, I want to talk about what it means for you and I to be all in. All in with our faith, all in with our service to the Lord. And there's a great Old Testament story, the story of Elisha, that gives us a beautiful illustration of what it means to not just buy in, but to sell out. Are you sold out for the Lord? Well, before we look at Elisha's story, I think it's, uh, it's uh, beneficial for us to give a little bit of background. Just before Elisha was the prophet, 
Elijah. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, we read where the prophet Elijah goes to uh, King Ahab, that, that bad king, and he says, I have a word from the Lord for you, King Ahab. The Lord is going to send a drought upon the land. It'll be something like you have never experienced before. In fact, there will not be rain. There won't even be dew on the ground. And then the Lord sends uh, Elijah away to the, to the brook Kareth, and there the ravens fed him every day. You remember that story? The ravens bought, brought him his food in the morning and in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Finally, the brook would dry up, and the Lord directed him to... Uh, the widow there at Zarephath, and you know that beautiful story where she was down to her last, her last drop as well, and the Lord just kept blessing and kept blessing and kept blessing. And then even one day when the, the widow at Zarephath's son uh, tragically passed away, you remember Elijah goes in and lays over him three times and asks the Lord to restore life to this young man, and then he does. And then the next the next event in the life of Elijah, probably the most familiar, I hope they make a movie about this one day, it's the showdown at Mount Carmel. You remember when, when Elijah challenges the 450 prophets of Baal, and, and we were, they, were, they were looking for rain, they were praying for rain, they were seeking for rain, and Elijah says, I have an idea. You 450 prophets of Baal, you build your altar, you put your sacrifice on the altar, and you call down rain, you call down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice, and I'll watch. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, you know the story, they, they began to cry out to, to Baal, uh, send fire down to consume the sacrifice. Nothing happens. Mid, midway through, Elijah begins to kind of show a little bit of his competitive spirit when he begins to taunt them. Well, maybe you should holler a little bit louder. Uh, maybe he has gone on a trip. Uh, holler a little bit louder. They begin to cut themselves. And of course, nothing ever happens. And then Elijah says, step out of the way. And Elijah takes 12 stones and he builds an altar and he, he, he cuts the, the sacrifice, places it on, on the altar. That's not only what he did. He dug a trench around the altar and he began to pour water jug after jug after jug of water over the, uh, the sacrifice. And then he called upon the Lord Almighty. And you know what happened. The Lord sent fire. The scripture says it not only consumed the sacrifice, it consumed the rock, the wood, and every drop of water that was there in the trench. And so that leads us up uh, to, to where we are today. Ahab goes back and tells his wicked wife Jezebel what had happened, and she is just infuriated. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, this is what Jezebel says. She says, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just like you have killed the others. So Elijah flees for, for his life. Isn't it amazing that someone with such courage as Elijah to take on the prophets of Baal 450, right there in front of everybody, calls down fire from heaven, suddenly gets scared and runs at the, at the word of one evil woman. But he does. He, he runs. He leaves his servant there in Beersheba, and he travels out to the wilderness all alone. And he goes and sits underneath a juniper tree. Some, some translation says under a broom tree. And there he cries out to the Lord. And listen to his words. He says, 
I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now get this. This is the same guy who is not going to experience death. You remember in Scripture, there were only two men that did not die because they were taken into heaven, Elijah and Enoch. This is the same guy. How gracious is it that God does, chooses not to grant our wishes when we make unwise choices? Elijah's saying, God, I've had enough. Just take me out of here. And pretty soon, he would take him out of, out of there. Anyway, the angel says to Elijah, get up, go eat. You've got a 40-day journey to Mount Sinai. Elijah travels to Mount Sinai. There's something about mountains in, in Scripture, right? God just does mighty things there. He goes to, the mount, to Mount Sinai, and there the Lord gives Elijah instructions about what to do next, who to appoint as kings, but also who to appoint as his replacement. And that takes us to 1 Kings chapter 19, Verses 19 through 21, our passage today. So read with me. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him, and he took the yoke of oxen, he sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Now, let me give you just a little bit of backstory on Elisha and where he was from. Elisha was born and raised in a region of Israel that was known as the Meadow of Dancing. It's kind of the breadbasket of the Jordan River area, a very fertile land. In fact, Elisha's family owned a very, very productive farming business. You know, most families in those days would have one team of oxen and one plow. The scripture tells us here that Elisha and his family have 12, and Elisha is at the back, probably indicating that they had many servants that were working the fields as well. Very wealthy family, and Elisha is right in line to inherit all of this until Elisha's all-in moment. Elijah comes, he places his cloak. The scripture says he places his cloak over Elisha. Now, Elisha knew good and well what this meant because the cloak, some, some translations say the mantle, that represented the authority and the power of God upon that prophet. And so when Elijah comes and he takes off the cloak, and he places that upon Elisha, Elisha knew right then that the call of God was upon his life. And he didn't hesitate. He did not hesitate. He says, let me go back and say goodbye to my father and my, and my mother. And then look what happens in verse 21. This is what I call an all-in moment. It says that Elisha went back. He killed the cattle. He broke up the plow, and he roasted the flesh and passed it around to the townspeople. How many times when, when we are making a commitment do we kind of put one foot out there, but we're reserving room to kind of go back, right? I was talking with someone uh, just, just the other day and talking about Peter's commitment when he stepped out of the boat. He said, you know what? Step number one 
was not that all-in commitment, but boy, when he put that other foot in there, he was all in. Elisha, rather than holding on to the cattle, cattle and saying, hey, go, go put the cattle in the barn, I might come back. No, he kills the cattle, he breaks up the plow, creates a sacrifice, and he burns them. He burns them, his all-in moment. He wasn't just buying in. Elisha was selling out. All-in commitment requires all-in obedience. And I want to take just the next few moments to talk about what it means to have not only an all-in commitment, but to be all-in obedience. A few things that, that we need to know about saying yes to the Lord and His call upon His life. First of all, all-in obedience will be tested. It will be tested. The very call upon Elisha's life was a test to him. Elisha's future was pretty secure. He was going to inherit the farm. He did not have to worry one bit about where his income was going to come from. He was set for life. All he had to do was just stay right there and assume the family business. But it was a test when, when Elijah put that cloak around him and Elisha passed the test. Not only did he go tell his mom and dad goodbye, but he got rid of any temptation to go back. I like what Mark Batterson says about a test. He says, a test is simply an opportunity to get a testimony. A test is an opportunity to get a testimony. Folks, you don't get a testimony by just listening to podcasts. You might learn a lot, but you don't get a testimony. You get a testimony in the wilderness like Moses. You get a testimony on the Sea of Galilee like Peter. You get a testimony on the mountaintop like Abraham when he took his only son Isaac to the top of the mountain, willing to sacrifice him in obedience to the Lord. That's how you give a, give a testimony. That's when your faith is tested. And a faith that is tested is a faith that is trusted. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him or and or. That's how we get a test. You get a testimony in the nursery with Miss Anna. You get a, a testimony in iKids with Miss Toy. You get a testimony out in the prison ministry with Harold Knowles and the many others that week after week serve where God has. You get a testimony out on the front lines of ministry. And I believe today God is calling some of you to step away and step into the deep and be obedient to his call in your life. Now, not everything about what God asks us to do is going to make sense. Has God ever asked you to do something and you scratch your head and say, Lord, I'm not really sure about that? Imagine how Noah must have felt. <laughs> Build an ark? Are you kidding me? Imagine how Joshua must have felt when he says, now, walk around the walls for seven days, and on that seventh day, walk seven times. Okay, Lord, if you say so. And then that seventh time, blow the trumpets, 
The people will shout and the walls came down. But I'm sure at the very beginning that did not make a lot of sense. What about when, when, when Jehoshaphat was fearing for his life, the Moabites and the Ammonites and all the otherites were, were pressing in, and he calls for a fast and prayer. And then the Lord uses a percussionist, Jehaziel, a drummer. Do you know the Lord can use drummers? Yeah, he can. But he used Jehaziel, who was a percussionist, most theologians believe, to communicate to him, Jehoshaphat, the battle's not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Now send a choir out on the front lines. Y'all hear that, folks? Send the choir out on the front lines. And you know the rest of the story. When Jehoshaphat and the army cross over and they're singing uh, great is the Lord, his love, his mercy endures forever and ever. They cross over and look down and all they saw were dead people everywhere because the battle belonged to the Lord. Has God ever asked you to do something that didn't make sense? He's asked me to do some things that make, didn't make sense. I remember just like it was yesterday. This was two or three years ago. I'm up here and I'm leading worship. And we're doing the invitation song at the very end. And Pastor Jonathan is getting ready to dismiss everyone. And uh, I must be honest, I was kind of taking my pack off right here because I needed to, to jet out. And y'all, it was, like, it was like the Lord was standing right here speaking to me. And this is what he said. Now, I'm ba it wasn't audible. I'm Baptist. I would have died right there. But... Uh, but I could clearly hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, will you go give $20 to this young couple that's sitting down near the front? Wow, that's not something that, the, that you hear the Lord say very often, right? In fact, I'm wondering, do I even have $20? You know, because we don't carry much cash these days. But it was just obvious. And I kind of resisted that for just a moment. Like, this is a little crazy. This is a little... No. Will you go give $20 to this couple sitting down near the front? So after the service, I, I, I get out my wallet, and I have one bill in my wallet. A $20 bill. So I pull out that $20 bill, and I walk down to, the, to, to this young couple, and I said, please, don't ask any questions. But God clearly, clearly just told me to come give you $20. And guys, there was this immediate emotion that just took over this couple. And I thought, wow, man, it's just $20, you know? But they were so overwhelmed. And I, I, I didn't know whether to stick around and ask questions. I just said, hey, God bless you. God bless you. And I walked away. Three days later, I get a call from A.J. Pillay. A.J. works in our men's ministry. If you don't know A.J., you need to... You need to connect with AJ, just a super guy. Pastor Scott, I have got to tell you what happened on Sunday. This, this couple that you came and gave $20 to, I have been discipling, I have been mentoring, and been talking with them about the importance of tithing, about giving 10% of your, your income to the Lord. And they've been wrestling with this and, and being obedient. That Sunday morning, when they got to their Sunday school class, their, their uh, adult Bible uh, class, somebody came up to them and gave them an envelope and it had $200 in it, in all 20s. And so when the offering plate passed, this couple sat there in agony wondering, should I be obedient and give 10%, which happens to be how much? 
$20. Should I drop this $20 in the offering plate? And so with much hesitation, but with much faith, they drop that in there. And for you to come up after the service and say, God told me to give you $20? No wonder they broke out in emotion. Can I tell you, I had a shouting fit right there in my office. Man, that God would allow me to be a part of that miracle. Sometimes God asks us to do some things that just don't make sense, but we should be obedient anyway. Secondly, all-in obedience often releases God's miracles. When you walk in obedience to God, you are not surprised by the miracles from God. When you walk in obedience to God, you are not surprised by the miracles from God. Maybe that's why Elisha acted in bold obedience when uh, Elijah, just before the Lord was about to take him up, Elijah asked him in 2 Kings chapter 2, Ask what I do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha said this, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. A double portion. That's what Elisha wanted. He had seen Elijah work with such authority from from, from the Lord, such anointing. And he said, I want a double portion of of what you have, your anointing. And God granted that. Now get this. In Elijah's lifetime, do you know how many miracles Elijah was a part of? Count them. Fourteen. In the 60 years of of ministry that Elisha had as a prophet, you want to take a guess how many miracles Elisha was a part of? You guessed it. Twenty-eight. Now, what are the chances of that happening? One hundred percent with the God that we serve. When you When you obey God and you walk in all-in obedience, it often unleashes God's miracles. You have no idea what our God can set into motion with one single act of obedience. Those of you who have been around here since the very beginning, you have watched in the front seat God just pour out his blessings upon a ministry because of the faith of one man who walked in obedience and said, we can change the world right here from Lynchburg, Virginia. You never know. You have no idea what God can set in the motion with the obedience of one man or one lady. If you keep your spiritual antenna up and you respond in obedience, God will include you in some pretty cool divine appointments. Do you believe in divine appointments? I certainly do. And unfortunately, I think we miss a lot of them every day when we're out through the drive-thru or we're in the store or whatever, and the Holy Spirit just seems to prompt us to do something and we don't do it. I know that day when I'm standing up here and the Holy Spirit said, go give that couple $20. I am so glad that I was obedient in that moment because I got to share the joy I got to partner with the Lord in doing his work. And when we do that, God can unleash miracles that are beyond our comprehension. But finally, all-in obedience requires faith. Pastor Jonathan preached a great sermon last week on, uh, on obedience and walking in faith. 
Many of us are not natural risk takers. Uh, I, I would ask for a show of hand, but uh, you might be afraid to do that. But anyway, I, I happen to be one of those. I, I, I play it safe. That's why Charles and I get along so well. He's kind of like the man, let's go get them out there guy. And I'm, I'm like, well, can we organize that first before we go, you know? And it's like Dr. Falwell. He was one of those ready, fire, aim kind of guys. And, uh, but a lot of us aren't really risk takers. And we, we just have to, in, our, in following an obedience, we have to step out there on faith and trust the Lord. But oftentimes we want to we wanna know the second step before we take the first step, Right. Yeah, some of, you, some of you are like that. An impala, the African impala. Now, when I say an impala, most of you who are, uh, you know, maybe 50 and under, you're thinking of the first car you ever owned, you know, that big tank that you drove. But the African impala, that's a, they're, they're, they're kind of akin to the gazelle in the, in the deer family. An impala can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet, 30 feet long. In fact, our family drove up to the safari, safari zoo the other day with everybody else in Virginia and West Virginia, and uh, I believe I may have seen some impalas. Here's what's interesting about an impala. If an impala can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet out, how in the world do the zookeepers keep the impala in their containment? Can I tell you? It just takes a three-and-a-half-foot wall a three-and-a-half-foot wall around the impala because they will not jump if they can't see where they will land. Amazing. But does that sound like us sometimes? Man, I'm not so sure, Lord. I need to see, I need to see that next step before I jump in. Delayed obedience, we've heard this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Obedience is our responsibility. Outcome is God's responsibility. Elisha was all in from the very, very beginning, and God used him in a mighty way to perform miracle after miracle. If we hold out on God, we'll miss out on everything God wants to do in us, for us, and through us. I remember so well, back in 2000, back in 2000, I was serving at a church in Oklahoma, great church there, my mentor buddy in South Carolina said, you need to get this, this young Billingsley kid to come out and, and sing with you and your choir. And our church just didn't do that a lot, you know, but uh, I'm like, okay. So I called this young Billingsley kid and uh, Charles, Charles comes out for the day. We were together about eight hours, absolutely had a blast and um, hit it off well. And then he went on his way and I went on my way. Two years later, the, the Lord called him here uh, to Lynchburg. And that next year, in, in January, February of 2003, uh, I get a call from Charles. Now, we would talk occasionally, but uh, not, not every week. But I get a call from Charles, and he says, Hey, Scott, I have joined Dr. Falwell in the ministry at Thomas Road and Liberty University in Lynchburg. Man, I loved the time that we had together there in Tulsa. And, bro, would you, would, would you consider coming over here and joining us in our ministry? And I'm like, Charles... Man, I, remember, I'm a play it safe dude, right? And uh, I said, Charles, I've got a great church. They love me. I love them. Pastor and I, we just committed to stay here forever. 
And uh, so, no thanks. And I told him that two or three times. And finally, he said, hey, it's Mother's Day weekend. You can fly over to the East Coast, see your mom. You know, your congregation won't even know where you are, you know. And so I came over. And guys, honest truth, we were at the old church. And I remember sitting there. I remember meeting Dr. Falwell. That moment was bigger than life. And, uh, and uh, I was afraid that he was going to call me out in the service and all the people in Oklahoma were going to see that I was in the service. And I was even more afraid that he was going to announce me as the new guy. And he would do that from time to time. But anyway, but I left here that day still thinking that I'm not coming to Lynchburg. And so I remember getting back on the, the, the airplane in, down in Raleigh and everybody and their brothers reading Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life at that time. And... Um, I sit down in my seat and I opened up, I think it was chapter four, chapter three or chapter four, and, and Rick Warren says this, many people never experience God's intended best for them because of their unwillingness to let go of that which is safe and secure. And I closed the book and I said, Lord, I still don't believe I'm going to Lynchburg, but I promise you, I release the fear, I release the security I am at your disposal. And then in, in July of 2003, I joined the team here. And can I tell you, my goodness, that's, that's one of those cases where I'm glad that God was gracious enough not to grant my request because I have been privileged to be a part of a ministry that is still impacting the world for the cause of Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm, I believe today that if you will just say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, use me. Pastor Matt gave us a whole, we need a hundred volunteers right now just to carry out the ministry that we're doing, our children's ministry and, and group link. Group link is next Sunday. So guys, you just need to come to prepare to leave it all on the altar because we're going to give you an opportunity to connect with a ministry where you can make a difference. In fact, if you don't want to wait till next Sunday, when you leave, you can go right into Bruner Hall. Members of our Connect team are there, and they can connect you in a place where you can serve right now. But God wants to you. What's he asking you to do? I am, I am compelled by a, a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul writes this, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. He chooses to use us. He chooses to use us. We need you. Do you need to break up the plow and sacrifice the oxen and exchange fear for faith? Are you willing to risk safety for miracles? Today, God is asking you to go all in. Hey, the journey, the fight is going to be a whole lot longer than the six weeks Dabo Sweeney had to climb uphill. We're at war. We're at war. And we need you. We used to sing a song, often as a song of surrender. And it simply said, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Worldly pleasures, all forsaken. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. What are you holding on to today? That's a pretty compelling lyric, right? That is an honest lyric. But he is saying, let go 
and let me use you in a mighty way. Here's what I want us to do today. Now, if you've never been all in with your faith, you've never, you've heard the gospel, but you've never responded to the gospel and given your life to the Lord, you can do that today. We're going to have our pastors right over here, and we invite you when we're finished, you can go over there and see a pastor. They would love to tell you how to become a Christ followers. But I want the rest of us, just as a, as a commitment to the Lord of total surrender, can we just stand together and sing a couple of times that great song of commitment, I Surrender All. Sing it with me. I surrender all. That's it. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Oh, sing it again. Sing it out now. I surrender all. Yes, we do, Lord. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And Lord, as you invite us into those supernatural divine moments I just pray that the answer would be yes when you make the call Lord I pray that people would respond we need workers down with our children we need workers out here on in our main lobby as people come in Lord we need people to say yes and so I pray that as your spirit prompts us Lord that we would not walk in fear but we would say yes Lord we would exchange fear for faith we would risk safety for the miracles that you have for us. In Jesus' name. And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.